0: Welcome to Freeman on Real Estate, the podcast about the hard facts behind what's going on in real estate. Realtor Mike Freeman of Coldwell Banker, who holds an MBA in finance, draws from his financial background and deep network to bring the most value for anyone looking to buy, sell, rent, or invest. Hello everyone. Welcome back to Freeman on Real Estate. This is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network and I'm here once again, of course, With Realtor Mike Freeman. Mike, how are we doing? Doing great, Dave. How are you today? Great. And it looks like the guest that you had on the last episode of the podcast, I guess, passed the audition because he's back. Mortgage expert Rich Roseman is here. You want to, should I give him a round of applause, Mike? Yeah, let's do that. All right.
1: Mm -hmm. There we go. Kind of what I get every time I walk into the door at home. (laughs) Every time. Like he's
0: used to that. Are you sure? All right. Well, I got to, I got to figure that one out. But, I know you guys are going to continue your conversation today about all things business. And so Mike, we look forward to that. So go ahead. Okay. Thank you, Dave. So Rich, one of the things that
2: is always talked about in our industry and you and I have in the past have had conversations about this is is timing. And sometimes in this environment, you see buyers who are saying, well, I, I just want to wait it out. I think prices will go down or I think interest rates will go down and and you just hear that and it makes you cringe when people talk about that they want to wait it out. And so my question to you is, how do you deal with that? And then, and specifically, probably the next question is, is it a good time to buy real estate? Goes along with all that. So
1: how do you handle that? Well, there are so many people out there that like to gamble. And that's what you'd be doing if you're trying to time the market. You you're not gonna have any greater luck in timing the real estate market whether it comes to home prices or mortgage rates than you would walk into a casino today and trying to pick the right color or number on roulette. So what we've been seeing and we've got charts that you can imagine, long list of charts that will show that historically homes have appreciated Year after year after year for the past hundred years, with the exception of maybe seven times. And if you tried to wait it out before the pandemic started as well, that was the greatest home equity growth in history. In two to three years, people realize 60 percent or greater equity growth. So trying to time it is going to be very costly to you. You're going to miss out on significant equity growth.
2: Everything you said made a, makes a lot of sense, and the way I think about timing is, is just like that. And I'll often say to people, and I said this in the last episode: life happens, and if it's the right time for you to buy, it's the right time for you to buy. And we're talking earlier about how there's somebody that I know who, a couple of years ago, he said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna sell my house, and then in a couple of years, prices will come down, and I'll buy a new house." And I thought to myself, okay, so you're smarter than everybody else. Nobody else has thought about that. So if it didn't work, big surprise, timing doesn't work. So I'm sure right now he's looking at it thinking, maybe I shouldn't have tried to time the market because prices are higher. My house would have been worth more. But that's the way it goes. So the lesson there is don't try to time the market. So true. So the next question I have for you relates to, the current situation. So you are working on a deal right now. And you actually texted me after we spoke earlier and you texted me something really interesting about a specific scenario regarding this person's mortgage and and the appraisal and what we could potentially do for him. So could you maybe talk about
1: that a little bit and then I'll elaborate as well? Sure. Sure. That makes sense. Every buyer's situation, of course, can be unique. And we have to do a deep dive into their profile and understand exactly what we're dealing with when it comes to income, assets, employment, credit, their goals as well, of course. So in this particular case, you have a married couple looking to purchase a home together. And they already own uh, a couple properties as well. So we have to see how does this work to achieve their goal plus make him as appealing as possible in this competitive market. And in this particular case, there were some credit challenges, a good amount of debt, and we had some properties that they own that they work on a sell, and we didn't want to make this contingent on a sale of a home because that could be less appealing to a seller, especially in a competing offer situation. So in review of their situation, we discovered that eliminating one borrower from the application focusing on the other borrowers credit and debts and income was enough to support it and make sure that they didn't have to do it contingent on another home either so it worked out that instead of trying to pigeonhole somebody into one plain vanilla situation it's best to look at all the moving parts and figure out what can be done to achieve their goal at the most comfortable payment and that's what we always focus on is finding the best solution for the buyer at the most comfortable payment.
2: Makes sense. And I didn't even know all that. And so, but that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because I have my role. You have your role. I'm involved in your role, but I don't know everything. An attorney has their role. So, and I'm not going to know as intricately the personal finances of somebody. I don't want to know. But, and that's part of your role. So I'm glad that you kind of differentiated there and mentioned some things that previously I didn't know. And sometimes I do. And sometimes I don't. And,
1: but. and you're not going to know anything personal about no. their situation either. We never, never. disclose that. So. I
2: have no idea how much any of my customers make, how much they had saved. None of that. I never know that. And I, I'm glad I don't want to know that about them. So that's, that's a good thing. So just going back to the situation again. So earlier today, if I'm remembering it correctly, you asked me if I thought that this particular house, we had an accepted offer last week. We had the the appraisal, the inspection a couple of days ago. And so Rich sent me a text and he said, do you think that maybe this house would appraise for a little bit more so that we can do that temporary buy-down program that he talked about in the last episode? So, that's something that we're currently looking at right now, but I'm glad you brought that up.
1: It's Was a, that like an hour or two ago? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're no matter what's going on, we're always thinking about what can we do to make things better for the for the buyer. And that temporary buy down program allows someone to take advantage of a lower rate for the first two years, what I call a low teaser rate for the first two years. Essentially, they buy down the rate year one by two points and then year two by one. So if they're qualifying at a rate of 7.5%, and this is just an example, not actual rates, year one means they would have a rate that's two points lower at 5.5%. And if they don't refinance, then year two comes along, and it's one point lower, it would be at 6.5%. If they never refinance, then their rate's going to continue to be at the original qualifying rate of 75 from year three through year 30. Now, the good news is that they can refinance at any time, and since analysts are forecasting rates to drop one to two points in the next 12 to 24 months, there's a high probability he's going to refinance before the first two years. And the way this program works is he'll ease into his... Payment with a very low starter rate. And then eventually when it goes to refinance, he can maintain that low rate and payment as well. The cost of the subsidy, well, that gets rolled into the purchase price. So that's why I was asking, you know, can this property particularly afford an additional small bump up so that it can be built into the purchase price? And today's market appraisals have not been an issue for us at, Guaranteed rate affinity, we've been having great success with that. And the way the market is with the demand being so high and supply so low, every home tends to have more equity than anticipated. So I'm sure it can offset the cost of the subsidy to buy down this two-for-one rate program. What I wanted to also point out is, though, if that gets done and they do refinance before the end of the second year, whatever's left over for that cost of subsidy because we're holding it in an escrow, can be applied towards the cost of refinancing if they choose to do so. So that money doesn't get lost for the cost of the subsidy.
2: And, and I think that's great, not only for people who might be first time home buyers, but if I'm a seller right now and I've had a mortgage and I have a rate of 3%, I may be very reluctant to sell my house and buy something new, whether I'm downsizing or upsizing, because my interest rate may go from 3 or the high 2s to 7.5 or 8. But with the temporary buy down, Like to use your phrase, you're easing into the rate and you're not going to have to deal with that incredible jump. Yeah, they're going to go up but you're probably gonna likely be able to refinance. And it goes back to what you said earlier about dating the rate and marrying the mortgage. Did you say marrying the mortgage or marrying the property? (laughs) Which one did you say?
1: I know, it's tricky, it's marry the home, date the rate. That's right, marry the home. Okay,
2: that sounds better to me anyway, (laughs) since I sell homes. Okay, one other other question, and I know you alluded to this on the last episode, and I'm glad you mentioned it, because hopefully got the audience thinking about it, but I wanna go into a little more depth, is the Fed and the role that they play. And so it's been – everyone probably knows well that it's been tricky, and we've been in this inflationary economy, and the Fed's been trying to battle that, and it just doesn't seem like the Fed has been able to do what they want to do. And so my question to you is,
1: what's going on? Why are why are we seeing that? I know. it's It's been so troubling and frustrating for the Feds and, of course, everyone else in an abundance of different industries, especially ours. So you know, first off – The Fed's number one tool to control the economy and to improve situations is trying to get inflation down. And they do that by raising the prime rate, the cost of borrowing by banks and other institutions. And if they can increase that high enough, it's their thought that that will slow the economy and then eventually people will stop buying and spending and investing in things and the economy will have inflation drop. And as inflation drops, because mortgage rates directly correspond with inflation, we'll see mortgage interest rates drop as well. But they've been struggling because and one thing that stands out to me is consumers are not reacting normally to this historical approach. The feds have always done this when inflation has risen and they've gotten results. The only thing that stands out is we've never experienced a pandemic before, whereas people were tied up for two to three years they got a great deal of funding from the government saved it all up but couldn't spend it they lost two to three years of their lives and now that we're out of it they're back out there trying to enjoy their lives trying to get back what they lost and they're spending money even without getting the the government's subsidies anymore at a rapid rate and as a result We're seeing retail sales much higher than anticipated, even though the feds have been raising rates. We're seeing people continue to get hired. We're seeing unemployment rates still dropping and payrolls increasing, people enjoying themselves. And that's the one thing that the feds didn't anticipate, and they've raised rates at a rapid pace to try to get the economy under control. So it's all new to everybody, and the feds are – struggling with their objective as well as what to do next. A lot of thought process here is that, well, let's see, let's set things, settle in a little bit and see if the consumer starts to respond to these higher rates and eventually the economy will start to level off again. But it's hard to sit and wait back, and the feds always have an energy trigger finger.
2: They definitely do, and not to get too much into politics, but my philosophy is that the – I feel like the fed – like I hear everything you're saying, it makes a lot of sense with the pandemic and people spending, and it really hasn't slowed down. But I feel like the Fed wouldn't mind it if they raised rates to the point where it almost puts us into even not a recession, but they wouldn't mind if people got laid off and people lost their jobs and. It's just every once in a while I think about it, and it kind of bothers me that I feel like they 're going to end up going overboard because there've been so many rates like you rate increases like you said and it 's happened so fast, and i don 't know if they 've given it enough time to see what the impact is, so I worry about
1: that oh yeah, I agree, I agree, and and that 's part of the result from the feds is when they do what they 're doing is often triggers a recession. But because of the positive results we're getting, there's talk that we'll probably have a very soft landing and maybe not have a recession, although some people think that we were already in a recession. So, again, there's always three parts to to every type of analysis, the pros, the cons, and those in between.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. And I feel like we might already be in a recession. It gets back to your earlier point. Why does the Fed need to keep raising interest rates? But you're right. There is some evidence that there's still some inflation in the economy. So we kind of have both going on. Right, right. It's, it's a tough time. Really good insights, Rich. I think I'm hoping that my listeners will also become your listeners and they got a lot out of what you had to say because there's just so much valuable information that you share with us today about what's going on with the economy and interest rates and, and both of these episodes. So thank you for being here. I really appreciate your insight. My pleasure, Mike
0: and Dave. I love teaming up with you guys. Rich, could you remind our listeners one more time where they can get in touch with you?
1: Sure. I love hearing from people. They can text or call me directly on my cell phone, 781-910-8280, or email me at richard.roseman at grarate.com.
0: Very cool. Now,
1: the part that everybody's been waiting for
0: i assume anyway uh, here's another segment of more about mike
1: more about mike more about mike more more about, about mike. mike.
0: and once again this time we don't get to hear just from mike but from rich as well his guest here's the question of the day it's very simple but it's a good question who is the funniest person who is the funniest you're not allowed to say me mike or rich uh well, actually, I guess you can't. I, I don't know.
2: <laughs> I don't. I don't have anything to say then. But what's good is neither. Of which one I'm thinking would have been. Yeah. So, so the person, ahead, the person I would name, is my friend Joe from college, and he's going to love listening to this episode and hear that it's him. But the reason why is because he, we play off of each other, but he's funnier than I am, and sometimes he'll say something, and I just burst out laughing, and then over. And over again. And there have been times in the past with my kids, like they know I'm working and they're like, what in the world is going on up there? All I hear <laughs> is dad laughing. And there was a time recently where I was drinking my coffee and he said something, which I'm definitely not going to repeat on air. And my coffee went everywhere. It looked like somebody <laughs> took a cup of coffee and sh- it was on the wall. It was on the floor. Like <laughs> I, 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 I take it down on my knees
0: and clean it up. But I mean, he is just absolutely hysterical. Now, would anyone find him funny or is it possible he's most funny to you because you know him he's most funny to me and people like me okay so <laughs> like
2: you'd probably find him pretty funny and mm-hmm. richard probably find him most people would find him funny and he actually was thinking about well he actually did start some improv so he's oh, okay. a funny guy oh, so he is naturally funny
0: it sounds he, like yeah he, he okay.
2: is okay. i mean okay. i might find him funnier than most people but he i think he could do stand
0: up Maybe, maybe uh we can have his stand up debut on uh, freeman on real estate podcast absolutely uh, rich same question who's the funniest person
1: well, there's a few people in my life that I've met, but the one that has stuck around the longest is my 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 stepdad i mean it, really he's been in my life for over forty years, but he is always trying to tell jokes, and some of them not so funny but but you still laugh because he's trying so hard. But the funniest thing is he just loves to talk and he'll talk about anything. And you don't know if he's trying to be funny when he's talking to you or not. If this is a joke where he'll talk to you for 10 minutes about how he tied his shoes this morning <laughs> or how he spreads peanut butter and jelly on a slice of bread and you're just listening there. And sometimes without offending him, I'll just like blank out and like 10 minutes later he's still talking about like. Where did I go? <laughs> but, but but he 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 has a habit of of making anyone he encounters uh, laugh because he he's always got something funny to say.
0: That's great, and it it sounds like not separate and apart from jokes. Just his normal sort of banter makes you laugh.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. Because
0: that I mean, I have friends that will go on like a rant, and it's not necessarily funny to anyone else, but because I know the person, it's just like oh, here he goes again, and it's. It's just great. Does, does your stepfather have a, a signature joke? Are they dry jokes? Are they corny jokes
1: or what are they like? He's got quite a handful of some of those corny jokes. Yeah. Like, uh, if you're holding a, a mint in your hand, he'll tell you, oh, the guy that made that made a mint. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, and I'll hear the same jokes. Ten, fifteen, thousand times. though.
0: <laughs> it, I mean, for, I think the maybe there's a reason they call them dad jokes. Is yeah. the older I get, the older I, I laugh at those jokes. I mean, the, the, and that's a totally corny joke, but it made me laugh. Yeah. The 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 dad joke I heard. Re- Do you mind me sharing? No, please, Micah? please. The dad joke I heard recently that really made me laugh was my my wife asked me if I'd seen the dog bowl. I said no. I didn't realize he could. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's good. Dave. I like it because I like the image of the dog <laughs> bowling and the, at the That's bowling. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, another successful episode of Freeman on Real Estate. Mike, the last time we gave Rich, I think, an, an A for his performance. How do you think he did this time? I think I'd have to give this one an A+, it was a
2: little
1: bit better. Wow. Yeah, wow. He, he really hit it out
0: of the park. Well, well if you come might... back, if you come back, you gotta go for the elusive A++, which we know how rare that is.
1: <laughs> I might look for a new full-time gig. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, well, help. The microphone's always hot here at Pod 617. Mike, if you don't mind reminding our listeners how they learn more about you. Sure, so
2: you can call or text me at 617-759-1513. Or shoot me an email at mike.freeman at anymoves.com. And you can also check out my website, mikefreemanhomes.com.
0: We thank you for listening. We encourage you to follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your shows. And we'll see you next time on Freeman on Real Estate.